0: good golfers? What's well, all they have time for. They don't work out. They don't lift weights. They don't do anything else. They might as well go get on the golf course and at least have some fun. And from across the country.
1: Doug uh, Gottlieb our guest here on the Jason Walker Show.
0: End of the day, remember, it's your show. It's got your name on it. Howie Mandela, our guest here. Jason Walker, deal or no deal. The Jason Walker Show, broadcasting from the major mortgage man cave. Here's Jason Walker. Yo, happy
1: Tuesday. It is the Jason Walker Show. Inside the Major Mortgage Man Cave. Got a great show coming up today. We're going to talk the history of black cowboy in rodeo with, uh, esteemed author Keith Ryan Cartwright. And, uh, it's, it's a very interesting uh, conversation. We are also going to, uh, tell you what's coming up the rest of the week, which is some good stuff. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation with Keith Ryan Cartwright. I think you're going to enjoy it as well. And also on this day in history coming up, we also have uh, the walk-off on the way. Tomorrow, that's what she said. And uh, don't forget that. But we'll talk all about this. I'm just very excited about uh, our interview today. We also have a huge, huge, like I said, on this day in history. And uh, we're going to get started, though, by, uh, well, talking about what we always talk about right now which is the montana high school association so now okay so governor bullock came out today and extended the stay-at-home order to from the 10th of april to the 24th an extra two weeks the mhsa which monday was going to um review and you know reassess its position on the uh the uh, you know they're not sus- they're suspending and postponement right now of the spring sports season. So now they've updated this. Yesterday they came out and said, okay, we're going to talk about this Thursday instead of Monday. All right. So Governor Bullock extends to April 24th the state home order. MHSa is still going, eh. still sitting on its hands. And, look, there's a lot of great people over at MHSA, I, and I get this, and it's a tough decision. I have, you know, just as much as you want to see a high school sports season, but at this point, it's not going to happen. And we've talked about this for the last few weeks. Why are you giving these kids hope that they're going to have a season? So let's say you got the stay-at-home order till the 24th, which means you can't go back to school yet. And... You can't have practices yet. you still got a social distance. You can't do anything. So let's say you come back on April 30th. Well, then what? Or April uh, 20-whatever-yesterday was, so the 6th. I'm not really good at math. The 27th. Okay. So let's say you come back the 27th. you got your five days of practice. That takes you to the beginning of May, which basically then you're into districts, and divisionals, and states. So you're going to have a three-week season? It's just... uh, MHSA needs to just take the initiative and just cancel it now, because you're not going to get a season. And it sucks. We'll find out Thursday. They're going to review the status of spring activities. But anyway, uh, there was some good news came out, and we'll talk about that here in a second, but the American League, see, here's another reason why MHSA needs to think ahead instead of not thinking at all, the 2020 American Legion Baseball Championships, including all eight regional tournaments and the American Legion World Series have been canceled, the American Legion announced today. Now, still hoping to get a season in in Montana and across the country, A shortened season, but there'll be no World Series in Shelby, North Carolina this year. There'll be no regionals across the country this year. And we're still sitting here waiting on MHSA. But speaking of high school, great news. Two state champs and a runner-up from Harden are the Montana Coaches Association Coaches of the Year. That was announced last night. Uh, Andrew Roundface, Boys Basketball, Cindy Farmer from Girls Basketball, and Eric Hartle for Boys Swimming, all winners for the Class A Bulldogs. Roundface and Farmer, each with co-championships this uh, this last month. And uh, Hartle team finished uh, second to Whitefish. The Girls Swimming Coach of the Year is Class A uh, Robin Onan of Central Billings. Siobhan Gilmartin of Bozeman for Boys and Girls because they swept. Uh, here's your wrestling. Let's just go in order here. Wrestling, Class AA, Luis Carranza of Great Falls. Interim, now full-time. Class A, Guy Melby, Sydney, Fairview. Class B, Jory Castellane, Glasgow. Class C, Charlie Crabb, Alberton, Superior. Boys basketball, Class AA, Jeff Hayes, Hellgate. Class A, uh, Andy Roundface from Harden, as we mentioned. Josh Stewart of Lodgegrass for Class B and Jason Wolf of Scobie for Class C. Girls basketball, um, this is, I know it's her name, but this is funny to see it in print. Catherine Garson Forba of Capital. We know her as Katie Garson Forba, uh, but congratulations to Coach Catherine. I'm going to call it, next time we talk, it's Catherine instead of Katie. Uh, Class A, Cindy Farmer. Class B, Travis Walker of Loyola. And Class C, Maury Elnis and uh, Maria Boyce uh, from Roy Winifred. Girls Swimming, uh, we talked about uh, Bozeman and Billing Central and uh, boy swimming as well. So congratulations to all the uh, Montana winter sports coaches uh, for the year. So congratulations. That is cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break, because you know, I want to get to this, uh, this interview um, early, because it's fun. He's a good dude. Can't we, we, we talked for almost two hours today. And, I mean, the interview wasn't even that long. Well, it kind of was. But there's so much great stuff. This guy uh, has interviewed some fantastic people. Keith Allen Cartwright, or Keith Ryan Cartwright, I beg your pardon. Um, We talk a lot about black cowboys today, but this dude is going to be on more because of some of the people he's talked to and interviewed. Um, Alan Alda. By the way, it's Wayne Rogers' birthday today. He passed away a few years ago, but he was uh, Trapper John the first three seasons on MASH. But Alan Alda, Allison Chains, Gary Allen, the Almonds, Greg uh pam anderson i mean we're just in the a's two live crew i want to talk to this dude about interviewing two live crew which we'll have him on kevin bacon so now our since i've interviewed keith ryan cartwright he's interviewed kevin bacon we're like one degree from kevin bacon right is that how that works because it's not six degrees it's just one because we i've i've interviewed the guy that interviewed kevin bacon We also have a Flint Rasmussen story we're going to tell, uh, or Keith is, when we return. This is the Jason Walker Show. We're coming right back. You're going to want to stick around, I promise.
2: Who doesn't love being number one? When your team's dominating the standings or your favorite band rocks the charts at number one, it feels good, right? Kind of like how it feels when you have auto insurance with State Farm. Because making you feel like number one is an honor your local State Farm agent takes seriously. Through the good times and not so good, your State Farm agent's proud to be here to help life go right.
1: Call State Farm agent Mike Miller in Helena today. Yes, it's true that Montana's a long way from the Gulf Coast, but you can bring that Cajun flavor home with a stop at Cafe Zydeco. From po'boys to classic sandwiches, Cafe Zydeco has all the best Cajun in town. Are you in the mood for seafood gumbo or crawfish etouffee? Maybe you're craving jambalaya with some shrimp and grits. Head in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or call ahead for pickup or delivery. Cafe Zydeco will fix all your southern cravings, even on a chilly Montana day. Cafe Zydeco is a proud sponsor of the Jason Walker Show.
0: Welcome back to the Jason Walker Show. Uh, Welcome back on a Tuesday.
1: Jason Walker Show. Major Mortgage Man Cave. Watching on the Facebook, thank you. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Listen along on TreasureStateRadio.com. Podbean.com. Network1Sports.com and more. Don't forget JasonWalkerShow.com. As all of our previous interviews and shows, if you want to tune in, you can. I highly recommend it. Uh, also, you can tweet us anytime at Jay Walker Sports. You can Facebook us. You can email uh, JasonWalkerSports at gmail.com. Uh, still to come on this day in history and the walk-off. Tomorrow, we're going to talk to Kate the chemist, Kate Bibendorf. She is a doctor and uh, we'll talk to her tomorrow. She's got a a couple of books out, and we're going to get the truth about COVID-19. What is it? Also, Kirsten Krull will join us tomorrow. Kirsten Krull, she is a student at St. Cloud State, just won a big award, but uh, uh, looking forward to talking with her about hockey in college, and she's done a lot of great things uh, already. Uh, Still to come Thursday, Jeff Graham will join us, the Belt Girls coach, talking about uh, a book he's writing on Class C, and also uh, Friday we'll talk to uh, Staff Sergeant Luke Fecto of the Montana Air National Guard. So there you go. All right, uh, let's get right into this. So he is an author. He is a fantastic author. Um, He's interviewed uh, everybody and their brother and their sister, uh, Jimmy Carter, Sally Field, Garth Brooks. Uh, Let's see, just a ton of great, great people. uh, uh, June Carter Cash, Jim Caviezel, uh, Jesse Coulter, I'm Not Lisa. Remember Concrete Blonde back in the early 90s? Uh, Harry Connick Jr., Alice Cooper, Tough Cooper, Kevin Costner. Man, bucket list item stuff here. Anyway, the list goes on and on. Over 500 fantastic interviews. And that includes Clint Bronger. That includes... Uh, some of the greats of rodeo, and some of the black rodeo cowboys that most people may not know about. And uh, his name is Keith Ryan Cartwright. You can follow him at com, But he's got a book coming out about the black cowboy. And to uh, chat about it now, he joins us here on the Jason Walker Show on the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline. All right, Keith, first off, thanks for joining us. And, you know, we're not going to talk about all this this negative stuff that's going on. We got some great, awesome stuff to talk about here. And You know, first off, you're from Middle Tennessee State. That's where you went to school. And what got you into rodeo? Yeah, well,
4: so I got my undergrad at um, Middle Tennessee State, as you said. And then um, shortly, right after that, I was a, a freelance entertainment writer. And through that, I got hired by... RCA Records Nashville to write up the bio for Tommy St. Steiner when his debut album came out. And um, he's like a, must be fourth generation cowboy from Texas. Very famous Steiner family from Texas. And so I basically spent about a year with the Steiner family and that was my introduction to Rodeo and his dad um, Bobby is a nineteen seventy three world champion bull rider and his brother while I was on the road with Tom Shane's band um won um the two thousand two I believe world title in um, in Bulldogging and so that was my real introduction to rodeo but I didn't take to it very well, right? I was a I was clearly um an outsider, an outlier um, but I had a strong tr- family with a big, rich tradition b- behind me, and that was my introduction. And and then I sort of went back, and I was doing entertainment stuff and writing and producing television shows. And um, and then uh, I I don't know I wanted to change, and one thing led to another. I met a guy, and he asked me if I was interested in writing about professional bull riding, and it found it interesting to me, and the next thing I know, the the PBR hired me, and I was on a seven-year journey to write about professional bull riding, and that's kind of how that all happened.
1: I was looking at your Facebook profile, and you got some interesting pictures. Is it Tommy uh, Brett Michaels you're hanging out with, or who? You
4: no, know, you're probably looking at a picture of um, my cousin, Stevie Rochelle, who was the singer of Back in the day, um, in the Poison Warren era, he was a singer of a band called Tough. And then I, um, I worked for the band. I, I started out doing merchandise and then I moved my way up to tour manager. And then, um, I would kind of handle, like, I was sort of like a band assistant for a while well, when they weren't on the road. And then, um, They were on Atlantic Records, and then they lost that 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 record deal. And my cousin formed the label, and I um, I sort of became the head of publicity, marketing, and distribution. Okay. And um, and so I that was that was just that was another another one of the five year odysseys that I was um, part of. That I guess that happens. Those add up fast when you're fifty. (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey, I gotta ask you this before we talk about your book and and, and what we really are going to talk about today, which is the black rodeo athlete um yeah, you got to hang out at the playboy mansion when tell me about that
4: yeah that so uh that was um that was October of two thousand five was kind of a day and a half there and I mentioned a little bit ago that i had a uh I had another five year window where I was writing, um, and producing television. And a lot of the television that I was working on, um, there were a lot of the countdown shows for CMP. And so every year, um, Thanksgiving weekend, there would be uh, one of my shows would premiere and it was a countdown, an annual countdown of the 20 sexiest videos of the year. And in 2005, um, comedian Bill Engvall uh, was the the host of the countdown and we recorded all of his setups, introducing the videos and so the ins and the outs to the commercial, all, all the things that we did with the host um, was recorded in all the, all the infamous or famous spots at the, at the Playboy mansion. And so we were there for, for a day and a half and that's, that's when that picture, was, that picture is actually, um sort of like a test, cause Bill is actually, uh, it's, that's me in the photo, but after the photo's taken, I get up and, and Bill lays in that spot and he records one of his introductions, oh, a couple of them, <laughs> from that same spot. That was me laying there, we took the picture and kind of, you know, one I wanted the photo. And well, two, sure. Um, is kind of a test of what it what it would look like, and we had to we had to make some we had to make a few adjustments um, positioning of the of the ladies the playmates.
1: I don't know. I'm looking at it right now, and I I, I think it looked good the way it was. Um, they could have yeah, just left yeah. you. Not for television, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, Keith Ryan Cartwright joining us here on the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline. All right, so the real reason. Um I I wanted to I reached out to you a few weeks ago and wanted to get you on the show here's because you're you're writing a book about the black rodeo athlete and many people might not understand how far back we go with African Americans in rodeo and it goes way back and tell me about why uh, why why this subject for you
0: So yeah well there's a couple
4: different things to unpack with that question and a a statement in there so Black Cowboys goes back to uh, all the way back to the end of the Civil War, probably before that but you can really pick it up in earnest, um, at the end of the Civil War, the freedmen they could either stay in the South and work in the cotton fields for literally pennies on the dollar and in that respect, you know um, they were free but how free were they? And they knew what the outcome was, man. They were going to they were going to work from sunup to sundown picking cotton, and there wasn't going to be much for life beyond that. Or, because they were free, they could go west to the unknown. And a lot of men did that. And uh, one in particular who, who did that, and we're still talking in the 1800s, um, was a man named John Ware. And uh, John Ware made his way from uh, South Carolina to Texas, and, um, and he learned how to, he, he learned how to become a horseman. He became an expert horseman and he had uh, developed some great cowboy skills and he was one of many, many, um, thousands of black cowboys pushing cattle, um, up the Chisholm trail from South Texas to Kansas where the railroad was. And then they would load the cattle on the train, and send them back east so that people would have beef. And, um. One time, he took 3,000 head of cattle, and rather than load them on the train in Kansas, he went north and he pushed them all the way over the border um, into southern Alberta. And those were the first. That was the that was the birth of the cattle industry in Canada. Was due to a former slave from uh, South Carolina, and uh, he took the first the first cattle to Canada. And if you go and look on a map in, in southern Alberta, there's a big ridge, and it's known as John Ware Ridge, and um, and that Canada has honored him. He's a, he's a hero up there, and they put him on a Canadian stamp. And um and um, he he lived once he got up there, he he stayed there and married a Canadian woman, and they started a family. And then unfortunately, he was tragically killed. Um, He was riding at a on a horse at a high rate of speed across the prairie, and uh, his his horse stepped in a badger hole and uh, flipped over and crushed him to death. Wow.
1: Uh, Keith Ryan Cartwright joining us here. Yeah, that's a (laughs) tragic end to a a happy beginning. There. Um, Yeah. So you know, there's a couple of names that I really wanted to throw out, and I'm, I'm sure you you know you obviously know them about because of your research, but uh, Murtis Deitman, who was one of the original uh, black rodeo athletes, actual rodeos, and then you know many Bill Pickett. I mean, he's the father of Bulldog, and and and, yeah. and nobody realizes that nowadays. I think the younger generation of rodeo fan doesn't know about some of these great athletes from way back in the past. Yeah,
4: yeah. So my uh, uh, my book. Um, Black Cowboys of Rodeo, Unsung Heroes from Harlem to Hollywood in the American West, um, is a collection of profiles. And it opens. the book opens with a profile of Bill Pickett, and it closes with a second profile of Bill Pickett. And then there's a whole bunch of them in between. And and you're right, um, Bill, and in the opening, um, the the first profile about him is about how... um, he made a name for himself by inadvertently um, discovering or developing or inventing what would go on to become bulldogging and later spear wrestling. Um, and it's literally, that's how the term bulldogging came up was they were, they had some unruly spears, um, and he would jump from his horse and bite him on the top lip and they would like just freeze in place and fall over <laughs> <laughs> and um he could tackle him down to the down to the ground, and he, he got that idea because he he would watch, that with the bull, that's what the that's what the dogs did the cattle dogs and so um it took the name bulldogging because here he was you know mm-hmm. imitating what the cattle dogs were doing and um and then you mentioned Murtis Deitman, that would be you know um a half a, a half of a uh, century later. Um, Murtis Dykeman comes along and, um, he actually was working as a rodeo clown for a long time and from Crockett, Texas. And then, uh, he was 27 years old when he decided to pursue bull riding. And, um, and initially he, he, uh, he was still doing some rodeo clown work and, and some bull riding. And he just said, "Look, man, I, I was out there, and I didn't, I didn't see any black guys competing in the rodeo. I felt like I could um, ride bulls if I put my mind to it, and wanted to prove to everybody that an African American could qualify for the national final rodeo if they just made a commitment to go on the road. And so there were plenty of, um, plenty of black cowboys before him, and uh, as a matter of fact." Um, Willie Thomas, uh, who's still alive today. He's actually, he's, um, down in Rosenberg, Texas, right outside of Houston. And, um, he's, uh, unfortunately, he, his health isn't very well and he's in hospice care. And so, sending our best wishes to, uh, Willie Thomas. But, um, Willie Thomas is a little bit older than Murtis. And uh, they they were friends and they spent many years together. But, um, Willie would have really been Murtis's. Um, the the guy that he looked at only only the one thing about Willie was he didn't go out nationally. He just kind of hung within the, mostly in uh, South Texas. Every once in a while he'd go compete in um, in Chicago at the United Arena, and and he went to the old famous uh, month long rodeo in New York City at at Madison Square Garden, but. Events like that were few and far between for Willie Thomas, but Murtis Seitman was the first guy to just hit the road the road, and um, go year-round from coast to coast. And uh, one of the things that Murtis really knew would be to his advantage was to head out to California. And so he made use of going to rodeos up and down the California coast and up into Washington. And he faced think- it's not that there weren't, you know, we're talking the six late mid to late 60s, it was a uh, height of the Civil Rights Movement, and I don't want to say that there weren't um, racist people on the West Coast, but it was far less than if he were to try to go to a rodeo in Jackson, Mississippi, mm-hmm. or, or Georgia, or, you know, Louisiana, or places like that. So he went out West, and he got a little bit of a more fair shake and um, became the first African-American to qualify for the National Finals Rodeo And in, in
1: 1965. Yeah, and in 67. he became the first to to win a world title with bull riding. No, no,
4: did not win a world title. He well, stake so a claim
1: for it, I guess. I was reading on... Yeah, um, yeah. Okay.
4: He, he finished third. That was his best um finish was third in the world. And you figure um in 1967, we're, we're still a year away from, well... You know, later in the year, I guess we're are four or five months away from uh, um, from Martin Luther King mm-hmm. being assassinated, and and then later that year in '68, um, Bobby Kennedy would uh, be assassinated. And so you're talking uh, I mean, the height of um, civil rights. If if '67 was the summer of love, '68 was. Um, pretty much a, a violent year and right in the middle of that here's this black guy that finishes third in the world in the bull riding and if he finished third in the world in the bull riding uh, 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 as uh, a as black man imagine how well he would have done had he been white and he he um, famously traveled with Larry Mahan there's a lot of credibility that came with that mm-hmm. a lot of um, cowboys are cowboys regardless of color in, in many regards, that's um, that's not a hundred percent true with uh, with anything. And um, so those is enormous enormous accomplishment for for Murdo who's known as the Jackie Robinson of rodeo. But um, really, I think that comparison to Jackie Robinson goes way 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 beyond the rodeo arena. I, I think if you read about Jackie Robinson the man and you and you get to know Murtis Dytman as a as a man, um, it's uh they're they're very comparable. They're they're they're, they're great uh, they're great guys. As an actual athlete, Murtis is probably less Jackie Robinson and, and more like Cameron Hank.
1: Okay, that make, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I, I just, finishing on Daitman. Uh, he said, you know, uh, in a quote, a lot of bulls don't care if you're, or the bulls don't care if you're white or black, you could be green, they just don't want you on their backs. Um, I think that says it all about rodeo, because, you know, it doesn't matter, and uh, Keith Ryan, yeah. Cartwright joining us here, he, he's written a book about the black cowboy, and you talk about it uh, with Hollywood as well, and... I'm interested in that aspect of it because, you know, Sidney Poitier, who we all know and love as an actor. Um, but take me through this because it was a great story I read on your Facebook page the other day.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, well, you're talking about bucking the Preacher. That's not really Rodeo Cowboys. That, that story, unfortunately, with Tony Brubaker, is a, um, he's a black stuntman and, and also a cowboy and, and a horseman in and of himself. He was, uh, Sydney's double for Bucking the preacher and, and, and he, he also did some work on the, um, the Outcast for, for Otis Young and, and he's, 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 um, did some work for, for Jim Brown and, and Lewis Gottfus Jr. and Danny Glover and, and, uh, a lot of, lot of people. Um, and, uh, Tony actually, uh, Used to uh, make his way over to the hill in Los Angeles, which is where um, Charlie Sampson came from, and and so a lot of the early black stuntmen. Um, so, and that's a whole another story. Is un, until the until the late '60s, there actually weren't even black stuntmen in Hollywood, and um, and so a lot of those early guys who. Um, started um, started working in Hollywood in the movies. Uh, one of the one of the fellows in my book who did do a, two of them who did a lot of work in Hollywood, but were also rodeo cowboys. Dean uh, Smith um, from Oklahoma, and then um, Cowtown Dean Walker from from Cowtown, New Jersey, and uh, and they too both of them found their way to the to the To the hill, um, probably a decade or so before Charlie Sampson. Um, well, about the time that Charlie Sampson would have been a kid and discovered the hill on a field trip with his uh, Cub Scout pack, and I think Charlie discovered the hill in 1968. So yeah, about the about the time that um, Tony Brewbaker and and um, uh, Dean Smith and and Cap Town Dean and, and some other folks would have first been hanging out at, at the Hill.
1: Okay, but um,
4: later on later later on in in years, um, uh, James Pickens Jr. and and Glenn Terman and um, uh, Oba Babatunde and and Reginald P. Dorsey, they're four um, Hollywood actors like they're they're actors. And all four of them are 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 um, horsemen in their own right, and uh, all four of them are profiled in my book, and all four have um, competed uh, in multiple events at the uh, Bill Pickett Invitational Rodeo and um, and and done other types of uh, competitions. So Hollywood has had a long tradition with cowboys, and and that goes mm-hmm. for um, you know whether it was regardless of whether you're uh, uh, white or black.
1: Keith Ryan Cartwright joining us here. And I'm anxious to read the book because I'm sure you have to talk about, you know, maybe one of the greatest tie-down ropers of all time in Fred Whitfield. Um, and then you throw in some more bull riders. You mentioned Charlie Sampson, but then you go back to tie-down with, you know, current guys like Corey Solomon and and current bullfighters, especially on the PBR tour, uh, Ezekiel Mitchell. I mean, these are some great... Black athletes in rodeo right now, and in the past,
4: yeah, yeah I, I, absolutely you know um there's two two kids uh, that are that are um, that are out on the trail right now. they're bullfighters um, and and that would be uh, dwayne Hargo Jr., and then Aaron Hargo, and they have uh, bullfighting in their in their uh, pedigree in that dwayne Hargo senior. Was the first African American to win a, a freestyle um, bullfighting world title at the NFR in the in the '80s when they back when they originally were doing the Wrangler bullfights. Um, oh yeah! During the week of the NFR, um, their father Dwayne Senior won a um, he won a world title and was quite a hand. And now, all these years later, the um, the Hargo name is, is back in action. Only both those boys, um, rather than do freestyle, which is sort of made a little bit of a return in recent years, um, in popularity. Um, uh, there, they do cowboy protection. So they're working PBR, uh, full flights, um, and, uh, two, just two great kids. And, and, um, they, along with their father will be profiled in the book. I, I, the father is the profile in and of himself, and the and the two boys are are in a chapter near the end of the near the end of the book.
1: Um, we talked a little bit about the PBR, and I mentioned Ezekiel Mitchell, and what a great career he's off to already on the PBR. And I know you didn't really get a chance to work with him on your time covering the PBR, but what's it say about the PBR that you know Ezekiel's doing so well?
4: Yeah, I mean, think about this. So uh, last year, around this time, I made a post on Facebook. I kind of looked where the points and where the standings were, and I surmised at that point that if Ezekiel could stay healthy, that uh, I thought um, he had all but assured himself a spot at the PBR World Finals last year, and he would be only the fourth black cowboy to qualify for... The PBR World Finals, and that um, he would be the first one in 14 years. Now, some folks would say, "Hey, wait a minute, 14 years. Um, what about Neil Holmes? Neil Holmes went to the finals twice. Um, once he went as a um, ba- based on his standing in the lower level, he got an invitation, and then another time he went as an alternate. So I'm I'm saying actually qualifies one of the top 35 bull riders in the world, Ezekiel was poised to be the first one in in 14 years. And by the time the World Finals comes around, it's both uh, Zeke made it and Dalton Castle made it. So we went from none for 14 years to two in one year. And then I was really excited coming into this year um, because I really thought that uh, Ezekiel's cousin, Utsi, mitchell was um going to have a really strong chance of qualifying as well and so we'd go from no black cowboys in 14 years and in a matter of two years we would go to three of them and and that's still a low number but when you think of zero percent to um the three out of the top 35 man that that just felt like that felt great but you know um Obviously, everything's sort of on hold, and you don't know mm. how the 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 season is going to unfold from here. To to see if um, all three of these guys, or one of them, or two of them, or just what combination will uh, will be in Vegas, or if there's—I mean, who knows? We don't. We have no idea. No, no uh, clue. We really don't know. We're all on hold, and um, and I'm just um, really, really hopeful that that there's there's still a chance. That um, that first week in November, when the PBR arrives in Las Vegas, that that perhaps there could be um, three Black Cowboys in the top thirty-five of the PBR. That would be just um, fantastic.
1: Taking all the Brazilian spots, that would be good, right? <laughs> There's so many. Hey, speaking yeah. of the PBR, Keith Ryan Carr, right? I, I, we got to wrap things up here, but um, you worked with Flint Rasmussen for a few years. Um, we love Flint. We love the family. What's your favorite story about Flint? Maybe the one of an embarrassing one that we can tell on, on, on air. Cause there's a lot we can talk about Flint off the air, but, um, so tell me something about Flint on air that, that, that you loved.
4: You, you know what, man, he's got, he's got passion. He's a natural entertainer, um, and, and and sometimes you go to a city and you walk into an arena beforehand and I'm not an entertainer, but I, you can walk into an arena and you're like, ah, you don't feel any energy. Whereas sometimes you walk into an arena and it is electric, right? Mm-hmm. And, and at, that's when I think some of the people who maybe aren't as good of an entertainer. Um, I mean, the, the crowd taking you where you want to go. The real work is 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 when it doesn't feel electric and and that that's really to me what um separates when from from a lot of other people and and there's one um one story in in um particular that i remember is is early on when i started um working there and luckily we had already befriended one another and He's just a great conversation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like I just like talking to him. And um, and he had a, a jury talked about it on your show, and, and it's, I'm not giving out a secret here. He, he once had a heart attack. Right. And um, and I had to write a – I knew him, and I had to be friends with him, but I didn't know all the ins and outs or whatever. And all of a sudden I came I, – I, I got a call one day, and it said, hey, you know, Blink. Um, had a heart attack. We need to we need to put a, a story together. We need to put something out. Da 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 da. And um, so it's in my story, but there's a few facts I didn't know what they were. I was given them, you know. And and so they said, "Hey, we don't want everyone getting excited over this um, in a negative way." That is, and so they they it got listed as a minor heart attack. <laughs> And the first time I ever had a conversation with Flynn after that, uh we got on the phone and, you know, I we were talking and expressed my concern and I was glad everything had worked out. And then at one point he goes, hey, I just want to clarify one thing. I didn't, I didn't, I don't think there's such a thing as a minor heart attack. And if there is, I didn't have one. <laughs> I had a, I had an effing heart attack. Right. And, um, <laughs> I mean, that's, it was my article, right? And that was one day where I really learned that, um, if I'm going to maintain the respect of, of, Clint and the bullfighters and the cowboys and, and all that, that, um, if my name is in the byline, then, um, I don't care what anybody tells me or what their position is or whatever. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not mitigating something or overemphasizing something if I don't believe it or I don't know it. It was a real lesson because I pride myself that if you go talk to um, any of those bull riders or anybody that I had to write about, um, you know, a, a couple of them might say that you know uh, having to talk all the time is a pain in the ass. But the one thing they will say is I I was I was fair and I was honest. And and I I treated everybody with a sense of reverence, and I and part of uh, my uh, the respect they had for me was I'm not a cowboy, and no matter how long you're around, I've been in this world now for 12 years since I started at, at the PBR 12 years ago January. I'm I'm still not a cowboy. I might own cowboy boots now. I feel like I can wear a pair without. um <laughs> getting totally called out, but I I don't think that I earned the right to wear a cowboy hat or dress like a cowboy. And so when I went to events, I did not dress like a cowboy. And and I remember Shane Proctor, um, asking one time he said, Hey, why, why don't you, but everyone else from the office gets all dressed up. And I told him what I just said to you and your audience that I didn't, I didn't earn that right. I'm not, I'm not a cowboy. I'm going to be me. I have all the respect in the world for Cowboys and treat them with reverence. And I appreciate their accomplishments as athletes um, and the whole culture. Um, but that's, that's what you wear. You're like, that's not even a uniform for you. That's, that's what you wear. And for me, if I dressed like that, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable. It would be like howdy doody. And to me, um, being something that you're not—that's that's a that's, uh, poser and disrespectful, and I never wanted to do that. And and that, that moment when when minor heart attack got written in one of my stories um, was a poser moment, and uh, I was—it I've never ever forgotten that lesson.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to reading the book. You can follow him at KeithRyanCartwright.com. It is called Black Cowboys of Rodeo, Unsung Heroes from Harlem to Hollywood and the American West. Man, I could just uh, keep talking with you here, but I know you're a busy guy, but I appreciate it. Um, I'd love to get you back on and talk some more stories here because you're obviously very well-read and very well-versed, and you've well-traveled, man, and uh, uh, it's been a pleasure to learn from uh, to some of these stories from you, man.
4: Thank you, man. I'm, um, I will come on anytime. And I really, I appreciate the, uh, the, the opportunity and the questions and, and just being able to, um, talk about, uh, my buddies and yeah, let's, let's make a plan to talk again, because I I would love to talk about, you know, uh, Bud Bramwell and, and Charlie Reno and just a whole host of guys, you know, Steve Robinson, um, is from Connecticut and now lives in, in Florida. And it's just a whole host of, of, of guys that um, and stories that we can talk about. Johnny Ashby, and he's the first African-American to be the Marlboro Man. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's a rodeo cowboy. There's been a number of people who've worked as the Marlboro Man. Um, but he was the first African-American. And um, hmm. as you know, the Marlboro uh, really – Um, a lot of their marketing um, was in the Western lifestyle, and Mm -hmm. that's why uh, their cigarettes were nicknamed cowboy killers. And then um, at at some point, I think, uh, I don't know if it was the late 70s, early 80s, uh, they started to focus their uh, marketing um, on the African-American communities. And so what better way to reach African-Americans than to keep Marlboro's western tradition and find a black cowboy and uh, that black cowboy was uh, johnny Ashby.
1: wow here's the so connection it's such a small world that i think the original marlboro man or the, the longest tenured or whatever was from helena montana there you go so yeah. there's such a small probably. world yeah um yeah,
4: probably, probably true
1: Man, appreciate the time, like I said. I, I mean, I could go on for hours with you and look forward. When's the book due out?
4: 2021.
1: Okay. Uh, so next year, I, I'll, I'll get an advance copy. We'll have you on before that. But uh, definitely want to uh, to continue this, uh, this conversation down the road in the future, my man. Uh, KeithRyanCartwright.com. Give him a follow. Uh, looking forward to reading this book. And uh, just uh, if you follow him on Facebook, there's some great pictures and uh, a great story about Ty Murray. I mean, seriously, I could go on and on just chatting with you, but uh, I, I should probably wrap this up and talk about some other stuff, I guess.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to. <laughs> I'm kidding.
1: Not that I really want to, but hey, appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Keith Ryan Cartwright joining us on the Mike Miller State Farm hotline. It's uh It's not just a bundle, man, or a combo. Mike Miller understands your home and car as things you work really hard for. He understands what they mean to you, and he's here to help give them the protection they deserve. Talk to State Farm agent Mike Miller in Helena for your home and auto insurance today. Keith Ryan Carwright. I had a fantastic time chatting with him. Looking forward to uh, getting him on even more because, like I said, he's got some great stories. He's interviewed a lot of famous people, and to get those stories are fun. By the way, uh, this is called research. Perf Ingersoll from Helena High. He was a grad from Helena High, but uh, he was a he was the Marlboro man in the in the mid to late seventies. So um, there you go. So we talked about that a little bit. Uh, it's called research. Fantastic. All right, quick break. Coming back. That's what uh, she said is tomorrow. Uh, but when we return, what do we uh, we we'll learn with uh, the the walk off? Also on this day in sports history, is coming up. And don't forget, support for the Jason Walker Show comes in part from Manscaped. And there's a brand new, hold on, let me pull it up here, Um, brand new information here. Okay, free agency period's done. There's no live sports on television. But there's an increasing excitement around this year's draft for the NFL. And they're going to do it virtually. So it's all about new beginnings. And our sponsors at Manscaped are here to give your balls a new beginning. And I'm talking about the ball trimmer. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. We've talked about it for a while. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Nothing better. Looking for that diamond in the rough in the fifth round. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 will help you find that in yourself. And you know, when you trim the hedges, the tree stands tall. All right, the Perfect Package 3.0, okay, This is what comes with it. The new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. It's waterproof, cordless, body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. It includes the ceramic, uh, cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent accidents. You're going to be nick-free, the advanced skin-safe technology. Don't forget about the crop preserver. Don't forget about also um, the underwear that you get, okay? Two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the uh, Anti-Chafing Manscaped Boxer briefs. The cologne is good as well. This is the perfect package for your franchise quarterback. Get 20% off. Use the code WALKER20. You also get free shipping at manscaped.com. That is 20% off. Free shipping. Use the code WALKER20 at manscaped.com. And uh, Manscaped is the best when it comes to men's grooving. Get yourself, well, the Joe Burrow of trimmers, the Lawn Mower 3.0. We'll come back, wrap up the show, and uh, the, uh, we'll tell you what uh, happened on this day in sports history next. What happened on this
0: date in sports history? Find out next on The Jason Walker Show.
1: Out on Facebook, Auto Concepts, the auto enhancement professionals. Yes, it's true that Montana is a long way from the Gulf Coast, but you can bring that Cajun flavor home with a stop at Cafe Zydeco. From po' boys to classic sandwiches, Cafe Zydeco has all the best Cajun in town. Are you in the mood for seafood gumbo or crawfish etouffee? Maybe you're craving jambalaya with some shrimp and grits. Head in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or call ahead for pickup or delivery. Cafe Zydeco will fix all your southern cravings, even on a chilly Montana day. Cafe Zydeco is a proud sponsor of the Jason Walker Show.
2: Who doesn't love being number one? When your team's dominating the standings, or your favorite band rocks the charts at number one, it feels good, right? Kind of like how it feels when you have auto insurance with State Farm. Because making you feel like number one is an honor your local State Farm agent takes seriously. Through the good times and not so good, your State Farm agent's proud to be here to help life go right.
1: Call State Farm agent Mike Miller in Helena today.
0: Welcome back to the Jason Walker Show.
1: Final segment on a Tuesday, Jason Walker show inside the Major Mortgage Man Cave. And it is time for On This Day in Sports History and just in general. We like to do this each and every day at this time. And it is brought to you by The Mother Sports Bar, Casino and Restaurant. Make sure you stop by The Mother along with Dinner's Done Right, Cafe Zydeco and Green Meadow Country Club. If you're not a member at Green Meadow, you need to become one. Tell him he's heard it on The Jason Walker Show. Anyway, get on out. Order out and and take care of our sponsors, will you? Today is April the seventh. It is National Beer Day. On this day in 1933, Cullen Harrison Act came into effect, legalizing the sale of low-alcohol beer. Uh, it's also National Coffee uh, Coffee Cake Day, No Housework Day, which is every day for me. And Girl Me Too Day. Actually, I don't know if that's what it's supposed to be. Anyway, now on this day in 1896. At the very first Olympics in Athens, American athlete Robert Garrett would go throwing double, winning the shot put. He won the discus the previous day. Uh, also, um, Australian Teddy Flack would win the gold in the first Olympic 1,500 meters. Goes on to win the 800 two days later. Uh, ben Hogan won his first of two Masters titles on this date in 1951. Jack Nicholas won the first of his six green jackets on this date in 1963. Ted Williams managed the Washington Senators for the first time on this date in 1969. Uh, Syracuse in 2003 beat Kansas, won uh, the first uh, title for the Orange. In 2008, 70th NCAA Championship, Kansas would beat Memphis. And uh, that was the first time all four top seeds had advanced to the final four. Uh, let's see. Happy birthday to this day, 1859. Walter Camp, the father of American football at Yale, was born in Connecticut. Uh, 19 or 1873. John McGraw was born. He was a Hall of Fame manager for the New York Giants when they won titles in 05 and then '21 and '22. He died in 1934. Uh, James Garner's birthday is today. Brett Maverick on the TV show. Also, the Rockford, uh, Rockford Files was born in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. Happy birthday, 1939, Francis Ford Coppola, the godfather and Apocalypse Now director. Russell Crowe was born on this date in 1964. Tony Dorsett was born on this date in 1954. And on this date in 1960, James Buster Douglas was born in uh, Columbus, Ohio. So there you go. A little uh, On This Day in Sports History brought to you by The Motherload. Let's do this
0: we're almost at the end of the show what did we learn and what did he miss time for the walk-off
1: walk-off is brought to you by cafe zydeco and like i said cafe zydeco the motherlode dinner's done right all of our three great food sponsors um with this stay-at-home order now in effect for another couple of weeks until uh april 24th at the minimum Call ahead, get your orders, take out Cafe Zydeco, the Motherlode Dinner's Done Right, and get out to Green Meadow Country Club, sign up, become a member. We will be golfing together. Tell them you heard it uh, or saw it on the Jason Walker Show, and uh, they'll set you up at uh, Green Meadow Country Club. You can also, if you're a member, call ahead, take out curbside delivery there as well. All right, so Cafe Zydeco bringing us the walk-off, and essentially it is all about um, – a great interview we had today with Keith Ryan Cartwright, the uh, author of the book coming out next year about black cowboys. Looking forward to reading it. Man, some great stories. And looking forward to talking with him more because he's got some, some unbelievable stories uh, to talk about as uh, moving forward. Hope you had a good one tomorrow on the show. Kate the Chemist. Dr. Kate Biebendorf will join us to talk about COVID-19, exactly what it is, and how can we keep our kids at home excited about science during this and teach them a few things. Also, uh, Kirsten Kroll will join us from Minnesota, St. Cloud State, and a whole lot more. It is the Jason Walker Show. We will see you tomorrow at 4. Have yourself a fantastic Tuesday.